Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hey, 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 hey. So this week's a little different. Not a name that you as a Texas theater educator, those of you that are Texas theater educators, probably know very well. Uh, but this is Jerry Specka, and the way I came across his name is I listened to, amongst other podcasts, I listened to, there it is, I listened to Smartless. I think a lot of people listen to that podcast. I believe it's like the or one of the most popular podcasts out there. Uh, but I listened to Smartless, and those guys had Ben Affleck on. And Ben Affleck was, you know, talking about his uh, one of his whys, and it had, and he said his high school theater educator. And so I came home that day uh, and said to Jennifer, I was like, man, it would, be, it would be so cool to reach out to Ben Affleck's people and have Ben Affleck on to talk about his high school theater teacher. And, you know, that's a, a big ask, right? But I've, that's how I've gotten a few guests on here is I just reach out to them and to uh, all but one has said, yeah, let's do it. So, um, Jennifer, my wife, uh, says to me, so she says to me, uh, said, that's not your podcast. Your podcast isn't to get celebrities on. There are lots of podcasts that do that. IE smartless. Uh, why not get his theater teacher on? And so I was like, uh, yeah, obvi, that's the right decision. Finally, she's right. You know what I mean? Just kidding. Um, by the way, I don't know if I said happy mother's day last week. So happy mother's day to everyone. Also, I'll talk about state in a second. But anyway, so I reached out to Jerry Specka, and within a very, very short amount of time, he was like, yeah, let's do it. So um, fast forward to maybe one of my favorite interviews I've ever had. And again, I say that often, but you don't know your favorite until you have it. Uh, and also I can compare it to all the other ones. And this is like one of my favorites, if not my favorite, uh, because I didn't know what to expect with him. And, uh, I guess there could be some element of celebrity to someone that has the track record of teaching Casey and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon amongst others. And, uh, we didn't really get into those names at all. I wasn't interested in finding out stories about uh, people other than Jerry. Um, that's not, again, that's not the podcast. It's just like when I uh, had Margaret on a few a few weeks ago, um, I really wasn't interested in knowing about Jim Parsons. And, and I don't mind hearing stories about them, but it wasn't my intention to uh, ask about other people. When I have you on, I ask about you. So um, this was just a really fun, energetic, super energetic. And actually, I think the mix is kind of loud. You're welcome, Stuart. But um, uh, so it may be even uh, too energetic as far as the audio is concerned. But uh, it was a really, 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 really fun chat that I had a few weeks ago with Jerry. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Again, not not the typical interview that I have on here because it's he's not a Texas theater educator you'll hear that right when he starts talking um, but it it's it is a great story and interview 
and listen nonetheless. So if you're already listening this far, you're probably committed to the podcast uh, and, and to the episode itself. Uh, speaking of state, I didn't mention two things last week. I don't know why. I didn't mention Mother's Day. I can tell you why I don't mention Mother's Day, but it's because my mom's dead. But uh, wow, boom. Uh, but uh, I do have a wife that has kids, so she's a mom. I do have a mother-in-law. I do have a sister who has kids. I do have an aunt that has kids. So, you know, other people have kids. So happy Mother's Day, late, belated. Uh, also, happy congratulations to, happy congratulations, congratulations to those people that competed at state. Uh, it's over. And as I sit here, speaking of over, uh, I'm recording this Thursday morning because I'm about to leave for California for a wedding. They're going to pump you up. Um, and uh, 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 my my school year is pretty much over. I have one final to proctor. I think it's a physics final. That's how we do it at the John Cooper School. But uh, my classes are done. I don't have finals. Uh, I'm done. I'm done with students. And I, I am, again, leaving the classroom, not leaving education. I'm actually excited because I'm going to be able to be in lots of classrooms next year. I won't have my own, but like I told... Sean at Covenant, I'm going to be a grandparent. I'm going to get to go and visit and hang out for a little bit, and then I get to leave. And that's uh, that's the grandparent way of doing things. So at least most grandparents, some some live with their kids or their grandkids. Mine did, uh, my mother-in-law, not my grandparents. <laughs> oh, my God. I shouldn't do this on Thursday mornings. Anyway, uh, enough about all that. But, again, congratulations to those state uh, competing schools. Congratulations to the winners. Uh, I plan on interviewing two of the winners. <clears throat> That's my plan. Coming up on episode 200. I already put episode 200 in the can. It is with the Destiny Miller, her quote-unquote goodbye to the classroom. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, if you are a fan of the podcast, I would love for you to leave a review. I would love for you to do a five-star you know, I've thought about, again, it's creeping up in my head to stop doing the podcast, and I might have to uh, with the new job. Not that they're going to tell me to, but, um, you know, it just kind of feels weird to to be talking to Texas theater educators when you are no longer one. Uh, but, um, you know, reviews help, and encouragement helps, and I know there are lots of people that would love to do this podcast or be on it. And maybe that's what I do is I hand off the baton to somebody that is worthy. Uh, but uh, it is it is definitely one of those things that I have loved doing. And I'm excited to be coming up on episode 200. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. But if I do end with Destiny Miller being uh, almost one of the first guests and potentially the last, we'll see. I don't know. Just a tease, maybe. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Jerry. Uh, I will be in California, so if there's a problem with it, I'll do my best to fix it once I get back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed last week's Nancy Lynch. And if you just if you're new to this because you're listening to this particular interview, uh, go back and look at some of the other names I've had on. I've been really honored and blessed to be able to talk to some just absolute legends, and then there are some people that are on their way to be legendary. So. It's, it's been really fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, but we'll see what the future holds. Enjoy the interview this week. Hey, Bobby, you can go. 
you know, I spent a lot of time teaching. Yeah. And so that you you never, or at least I'll I'll speak for myself. I've never lost the feeling for it, the 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 need to be somehow engaged in it. Um, I did lose the need to have to be in the classroom every day. Yeah. After a while, it was like okay. But you know, I I don't know. I still find myself thinking about it all the time, and and about what what I was engaged in throughout my career, and then also what I see happening in 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 the little dribs and drabs that I collect, you know, uh, around me. And theater education to me is everything. Yeah. So where are you uh, from originally? Because you know, a, a good a good theater person doesn't have a distinct uh, accent. It means that they've been trained really well uh, to kind of sound somewhat you know news anchorish uh to, to exactly but they call it the the, the neutral the, the neutral affect or whatever it yeah is. i um every now and again you will hear uh if if you know the region i grew up in western pennsylvania i i you know my first 18 years of life were in it we're a small town called carnegie pa which is eight miles southwest of pittsburgh so it, 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 people from that area you know talk about the yunzers uh, because Pis, Pis, Pittsburghers do have, or at least some of them do have as many regions, you know, a very distinct kind of accent, you yeah. know, um, and, and even some, you know, language, like we're going to red up the house, which means kind of clean, you know, tidy up. Uh, so every now and again, when I get a little, I don't know, enthusiastic or excited <laughs> or sometimes aggravated, <laughs> you'll hear, you'll hear the broad O or you'll, or you'll hear the, the Pittsburgh East slip out. But, um, I, I certainly don't have a Boston or a typical Boston right. act never acquired one. <laughs> and I, and I studiously avoid try to avoid the try to get one, you know, right. <laughs> no offense to my Bostonian yeah. friends. <laughs> what, what made you stay in Massachusetts <clears throat> work? Okay. You know, I came, I came to, um, I came to Cambridge I went to uh, go to graduate school to get a master's um, right. when I decided I wanted to teach, you know, someone said you need to get your, um, what do you call them? Your, uh, your certification or yeah, your yeah, certification yeah. and you have to put in your practice time, et cetera. Right. And I really didn't, I mean, there were any number of places where I could have gone to do that. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I want to do something a little more than that. So there was a uh, master's of arts in teaching program so that I could do, <clears throat> I was an English major right. and I, uh, I, uh, I kind of, I won't say I specialized because I did not, but my focus was dramatic literature. So Shakespeare, modern drama, Ibsen, you know, I spent a lot of time reading those folks and, and poetry. Right. So those were kind of my focuses. And I thought, well, if I could find a program where I could do a little more of that, in addition to pick up my practicum credits. Um, so that's what happened. And I, and I came, I was living in New York at the time <clears throat> and, you know, my plan was, you know, go to, go to Boston and the program was a 12 month program. So, go to Boston, get my practicum and go back to the city and, and get involved in public education in the city. Um, but I came here and first the job market started to get a little funky and I met some people here that I really liked. And I met a pro and I, I got involved in an alternative high school program that at least initially I wasn't able to become part of, you know, because of their limited hiring. Um, they were, they were like eight teachers. So, you know, yeah. there was a lot, a lot of competition but I decided to hang around and, uh, and, and I got a job here. I had met a guy that I really liked and he was, a, 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 and in fact, my focus was on public education. And this guy had been the, uh, uh, 
department chair at a local private school. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. But he and I had hit it off and I wasn't able to find work. And he said, well, why don't you come work with me for a year? I'm going back to the school. They're asking me to come back and kind of rejigger the program. So I'm going back and I would love it if you'd be on my staff and do it for a year or two and see what happens. So that's what that's what happened. Yeah. Wow. I ended up staying here and the plan was still I'm going to, you know, I'm going back to New York City someday because I've got this mission. Well. That was what Jesus like. I even hate to say it, but it was like 1972, 73, <laughs> you know. So the idea was within a few years, I never left, you know. Yeah. And you meet, you know, you get married, you know, all that stuff happens, and life, life kind of guides you. I had a good friend who, when she turned 60, she was talking about how her life had turned out exactly the way she had planned it. And and she said, well, isn't it the same for you? And I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I said, oh, God, no. You know, I started off, I was going to be an attorney. I, okay. went to, I went to college. I'm like, I'm going I'm to be Perry Mason. You know, I'm, I'm going to be F. Lee Bailey. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in the courtroom. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be doing all these cool things. And little by little, that changed, you know, uh, you know, I would say I won't say accidentally because right. certainly. But, you know, the influences led me in different directions. That's funny. You mentioned Perry. That was Perry Mason was my mother's absolute like favorite thing to watch. That's that's very funny. That brings back a lot of memories. Well, what was so funny was when I was a kid, I had a, a neighborhood buddy who read avidly. And the one thing he read was all the Earl Stanley Gardner stuff yeah. and all the Perry. So I hooked into that. And then, of course, it came on TV and it's like, wow, this is really <laughs> cool. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to be that guy, you know. Uh, didn't work out. Well, I'm glad it didn't, actually. Yeah. You know, when I look back on it, not that, you know, not that I would have regretted, uh, you know, working in the legal profession, but I kind of like where it ended up. So yeah. it's like, I'm happy with that. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that you kind of, because, uh, my situation currently, it's a, it's going to change soon, but I, I teach, uh, Shakespeare classes at my school, uh, mm-hmm. and they're just Shakespeare classes 24 seven. There's nothing outside of that. It's, uh, it's to seniors. And so, you know, as a theater teacher, we always say Shakespeare's meant to be performed, not read. Mm-hmm. So when you were, when you mentioned a, a few minutes ago that you were studying kind of the literature and such and reading that stuff, were you reading it with the intent to perform it or knowing that you needed to perform it or what was kind of your way when of I was, it? You know, when I was studying it, yeah. I was studying it because it's literature, right. you know, you're an English major, you know, what are you going to do? Well, I like dramatic literature. I mean, I certainly did. I, I paid my dues with 18th century, this, that, and the, yeah. the, history of the <laughs> novel and all that. I did all of that, but my real, and, and maybe it was because plays were for me easier to read. Right. I don't know why, but I fell in love. Well, I always liked, I have to say from probably I was the time I was like eight, you know, the whole idea of performing and being on stage and singing and making music and acting in plays, you know, I, I was fascinated with that. I, I won't tell you that I was any good at it. That doesn't matter, but I was fascinated with it. So plays rang a lot of bells and, and, I, and I'll credit myself with having a half decent imagination. So I'm reading a play and the whole thing is playing right. in my head, but it was still at that point literature. And I'm interested in what you said about teaching it, because when I was in graduate school, I got hooked up instead of doing the typical practicum stuff, I got hooked up with this uh, alternative program. And basically they said, I had a mentor and basically they said, you're going to teach. Yeah. We're not, you're not, you're not coming into my class and doing a lesson. You're getting a class. So what are you going to teach? And I said, I'm going to do Shakespeare. 
You know, wow. it's, the, it's, it's the canon, right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> I, I hope this will lead us someplace that's, that's important. So, so I, I did the first semester, I did, you know, and, and I have to say this, the, the class was non-age, non-ability graded. So I had ninth graders, 12th graders. In the first class, I had a kid who was dyslexic and had a hard time reading and a kid who was applying to Yale and eventually got in. They were in the same classroom. <clears throat> So the problem was, you know, how do you make this viable for this vast array of talents? In the first semester, it worked very well, uh, whatever I was doing, which I really don't remember. And then I was <laughs> going to do a second semester. And a lot of the kids signed up for the course. And, you know, it, it was a, it, the, the philosophy. One of the philosophies in the school was those who are governed ought to have a say in the government. Right. And a kid came to me and said, you know, the best way to read the, to, the best way to study Shakespeare would be to put it on. Could we like put on a play? Could we like study a script and really tear it apart? And then the end, the final exam would be, I thought, holy shit, this is yeah. really a great idea. Oh, wow. So that's what I did. We did Midsummer Night's Dream. And then that was the hook for me because I then <clears throat> again, kind of by accident, my two, two of my great loves, teaching, working with kids, and the theater and dramatic literature, three of my great loves, came together. And, and it was like, oh, well, that was the drug. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's what got me. I didn't, you know, I was never, I was not a trained theater person. Right. So I didn't get an MFA in acting, directing, any playwriting, any of that. I was an English major, you right. know, language and literature. But that particular experience um, gave me another item that I had in my arsenal when I applied for other jobs. It was like, oh, I'll do the plays. And, and, and in doing that, I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I better figure this out. So I studied, you know, I, I woodshed it. I, and so then that evolved into when the time came, hey, would you like to um, lead a theater program, you know, in the high school? It was like, yeah, I can. Well, it was yeah, and then there was another part of me said, "Oh no, don't do this." <laughs> you, you, you know, you don't you don't have the pedigree. And, and the good news was, at that point in the city of Cambridge, they had um, they had developed the, or they had the school committee had permitted the um, arts department to create a four year theater program, but they wouldn't at the time. They didn't have the funding, I guess to bring somebody in from the outside. In other right. words, a trained person, someone who had gone to, you know, a reputable theater arts program. So they said, you have to find somebody within the system. And they couldn't, except that they knew that I was doing plays in the alternative program and that I was teaching a Shakespeare class. So they came to me and I was ready to, I was ready to leave. I was transitioning. <laughs> I'd put in my seven years and I'm like, okay, I, this has really been a lot of fun, but I think I'm burning out. I think I'm going to go be an actor now. I'm going to go do something else. And they came to me and said, you know, you're pretty qualified for this. How about doing it for a year? You know, another one of those hooks. Yeah. How about doing this for a year? Come down to the drama department, develop a four-year program. And, you know, if you still have the itch that you need to do something else, we'll, at, by that time, the money will have shaken loose. Well, it was 12 years later when I left. So, you know, <laughs> so anyway, I'm probably telling you way more than no. you need to hear, but that's, you know, that's, that was the kind of the, the cycle. Um, yeah. And I guess, I guess the other thing I should say is that when I went to graduate school, um, it was a 12, 12 month program. And the first three months were during the summer. And I had a master teacher who was from England and um, he practiced what at the time was called creative drama, 
which is basically theater arts without all the bullcrap, you know, right. without all the, the fighting and infight and all that. It was like use the use all of the elements of, of theater arts training as a way of opening up the classroom. So that became part of how I did theater. Right. And I think I think um, I think Ben in, uh, sometimes in the past has referred to the fact that there was that, that I really, you know, insisted on there not being a hierarchy, you right. know, that that the spear carrier was just as important as the person with, you know, 110 lines. And people call it a cliche, you know, until you point out to them, you know, don't be the spear carrier chewing gum on stage in the middle of a really powerful scene because you just ruined it. Yeah. Right. Somebody, somebody, your director is going to be really mad at you. You know. <laughs> so you know the 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 obvious uh, uh, the, the the obvious former students aside, you know, you were probably an inspiration to others. <clears throat> it's not just the public figures, right? Uh, so when why do you think you kind of had this? So we'll call it a gift, you know, of uh, amongst many other words, this gift to inspire. What was it about you that was uh, able to kind of infiltrate these the the minds of these kids to kind of get them to run through a wall for you? Yeah, I I really don't know, except that I'll I'll, t- I'll take a shot at it, you know, and I don't think <laughs> yeah. obviously it does have something to do with me because I did it yeah. right. Whatever whatever happened. I did it, but I'll go back to my master teacher. He also talked about creating learning in a learning environment. He talked about creating a sense of group. And here we were all English teachers and he's teaching us theater games. And in essence, he was saying, you know, the first couple of weeks of class invest in this, make these people feel as if they're part of something in which they have a stake. And I thought, well, shit, my God, what a brilliant educational philosophy, you know, (laughs) make every person in the room feel as if number one, not only that, that empowerment stuff that everybody talks about, you know, that they're important, but that they actually have something to contribute, that there's a way in which no matter who they are, whether they think they're skilled as a speaker or whatever, they have a way of supporting the whole group in this learning thing. And so I don't know. When I look back on it, I really, I, I, I really don't. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think there was a part of me that really wanted to create these communities. Right. And and you know, you know this. You're a teacher. You know that's when it works the best. Yeah. You know, when everybody in the room is like cooking and tuned in, and even the ones who aren't doing so well in terms of getting the high grades or they're kind of not doing their homework, if they get this sense of I'm important here. I, I have a, I have a contribution to make. Um, I'd like to think that I'd like to think that that was part that, that, that I invested a lot of energy into connecting with every kid in the room. Right. I, I mean, uh, you clearly have an energy, you know, uh, <laughs> do, do you think that that kind of contributed to it? Do, was there, was there ever a time and, and I'll speak for myself, uh, not putting words into your mouth, but I've got a good energy about me, but there are, and it's you have these kids too that have a great energy, and then they have days where they come in, and they're just not—they're off, you know. They're they're and it's and it's very alarming to see that kid that usually comes in bouncing off walls, and all of a sudden they're calm. Do you think that that has something to do with it? Do you think people invested in you as uh, as kind of a, an energy and just the sort of invested personality that you seem to have? 
Um, I, you know, I think that's true. I mean, I'll, I'll accept that as a truism <laughs> for anybody. Okay. You know, I'm talking to you now and I'm feeling your energy and I'm like, remember I, I, I said with the emails, I'm, I'm saying, oh, I'm not really good at this, but I'm talking to someone who's, who's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. You yeah. know, I'm fine. And I think the other thing, and I, I don't know if this ties in with what you were saying. Um, but the other thing is you allowed them to be that person yeah. because I'm that person. There are days I come in, I don't even want to see your sorry behind, but I have to teach. So I want you to understand, here's what's going on. And this is real. And you're going to deal with me and give me room to be whatever goofy person I am today. And I'm going to do the same for you. And 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 some kind of agreement. You know, I, had, I can think of maybe three times when uh, an experience with a student drove me to a position where I just wanted to, you know, either quit right. or kill somebody. Right. And I hate to say that. That's an awful thing to say, but you know, it. that kind of, that kind of emotion where you just don't, you don't know what to do. Otherwise, you know, that I really believe Jeff Fox was the guy's name and, and Jeff is to me a giant. So, you know, Ben Affleck talks about me. Well, I'll talk about Jeff until I die. Yeah. Uh, but he was one who, you know, who really, um, you know, talked about all of those elements, you know, about bringing the energy, about allowing young people to be who they are, about creating environments where they could see themselves. Right. You know, so I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question. I, I have a tendency to sometimes. You did. Good. You, you know, the, the beauty of this podcast is that it's not about me. It's about you. So it's whatever you have to say. It doesn't. <laughs> I can cut all my stuff out and it would still be great. <laughs> Uh, well, I hope you leave some of yeah, this stuff no, in. I, I will. I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, so, you know, down here in Texas, uh, which is, uh, when I say that, it sounds very country to me, but down here in Texas, um, we have this thing called UIL One Act Play, the University of Interscholastic League One Act Play Festival, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's about an eight to ten week process where they go through different levels. It's almost like playoffs for football, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been the result of that over the past hundred years is that almost every school high school in the state of Texas has a theater department and uh, it has grown the, the, the world of high school theater, even middle school theater to an extent. So up in Massachusetts and even New York where you wanted to teach and even Pittsburgh where, you know, outside of Pittsburgh where you grew up, I don't think those types of systems are in place. So what is it that, or, or correct me? Well, there is, well, there's a, there's a, there's a, I was about to say something. I was like, yeah, sounds like a Texas thing to do. Yeah. Right? Turn it into a competition. <laughs> it's <that>, true. <laughs> except that in the Boston area, in the Boston area, and, and this is part of my story. Yeah. In the Boston area, there's the, there was, and there still is, they call it something different now, but there was the Massachusetts High School Drama Guild. Okay. And they did exactly the same thing. In Texas, where apparently you folks are more enlightened, it seems to have resulted in there being theater departments in, you know, every high school or at least close to that. In Massachusetts, that wasn't the case. There was a lot of battling over, you know, um, what were what were the important ways to use money. And very often it wasn't, you know, the theater person was, well, I I, I never I never want to denigrate him because that was me at a time in my career. But the theater person was the English teacher who could stand being in the room with 15 kids after school for a period of time to make a play. Right. Um, But there were, I think, I think it had, at least as far as I understand it. And, you know, I haven't done that in years, so I don't know where it's progressed. Right. Um, 
but at at the time I was doing it, there were still you know school department and and fairly fairly well healed um, school school uh, systems that you know were struggling to put together a good arts program. Right. So it what what happened in Texas as a result of your competition didn't really happen in Massachusetts. And the one thing I'll tell you that will make you laugh is when I when I took this gig in the drama department, you know, my one year gig, the first thing I was told was, well, you have to do a competition. Mm. Uh, what? Yeah. You know, every January to April there's the Massachusetts high school drama and we've participated for years. And I'm like, drama's not a sport. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing that, you know. And so so there was like, oh, no, but you must. We have a tradition to uphold. So I said, ah. But I think as as, as you probably, I hope you know, I mean, I, I, what I figured out was it was a hook. I yeah. mean, I hated it in the sense of I didn't like the idea. You know, we're, now now we've got our power forward, yeah. whoever that actor is, you know, <laughs> and, and we're going to we're going to cultivate this 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 superstar to win championships. But. I found it. My kids hooked into it yeah. and it was a way to say to them, well, my favorite line was how good do you want to be? And yeah. and you can't be good. You know, someone else is going to confer that on you. So you have to figure out what's that mean? What do you want to achieve? Like, okay, we're going to go into this competition. All right. So what do you, what do you want to have happen? And, yeah. you know, and then we, we stumbled on that thing. Well, you're going to, you're going to do this show for like, um, you know, eight, nine hundred, twelve hundred strangers. They don't know a damn thing about you. They don't know who you are. What they're going to know about you at the end of your 40 minutes on stage is what you leave there. Right. So what do you want that to be? So that turned out to be the hook for me. And then I laughed at myself because I was deep into the competition, you know, like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. You start to, as I told my students, you know, cause I, I wasn't raised in the competitive world. I was raised in Texas, but I went to a performing arts school and so we mm -hmm. didn't compete. And, uh, so when I became a teacher, that's when I started competing and I would tell my students, you don't, I don't want you to worry about the competition, but once you advance, it's going to taste good and you're going to want it. You're going to want it more. Um, and so and that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. but, but the, but the, uh, the administrators love successful contests, you know, because you get the, you get a little uh, emblem or you get a trophy or you, you know, you get some sort of recognition for the school. So well, the first year that we won the state competition, somebody dared to say, you're a genius. You're a genius. And I said, hold on, time out. I did. I, I've been doing plays now for three, four years here. Nobody, most of you didn't even come to see the show. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, because I won this champion, you know, so I was very, I have, and I still am, as you can see, pretty cynical about all that, but you're right for the kids. Yeah. You yeah. get the juice, except for the one who wins the acting award and then thinks you can't teach him anything right, anymore. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's not the result I wanted. It's backfired. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do say Ben was not one of those. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> what? So, uh, when did you kind of, or maybe you never did? When did you kind of feel like you finally figured it out when it came to being able to teach theater or direct a show or you know just kind of train up an actor or technician or did you did you ever feel that way? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's, uh, I, I, it's, to me, it's a yin and yang thing. I mean, I think there clearly was a time when I said to myself with great um, conviction, I can do this. Yeah. You know, I know how I have a body, but I, I don't know. I, I read a recently an article about a teacher who talked about, what is it? I, I had never, um, 
um, I'd never heard it phrased this way, but the imposter theory, yeah. you know, that, that you're, you're doing this stuff and somebody's going to find out that you really don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. I lived with that every day of my teaching career yeah. because I was always, well, I, you know, I, there's a, I, my wife works in, um, uh, the, the staff development, educational right. staff development. And, and there's an awful lot of talk now among those folks about the curriculum and how the curriculum has. It's not kids can get content anywhere. It has to be something else, et cetera, et cetera. Years ago, maybe 30 years ago, I heard a guy from BU, um, you know, a professor emeritus of great status, say something about the curriculum is in the room with you. Right. You know, the curriculum isn't in the textbook. It's who are the people, who are the individuals. And I just love that idea. But if you adopt that idea, it means every time you have a new class, you really don't know. Right. And 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 you have to. So there's a part of me that says, yeah, I know how to muster the resources. But then there's that other question. How successful will you be? Yeah. You know, how success will this work? And And that's terrifies me to this day. I had a pri- I, I won't tell you the story because it's long and it's kind of boring, but I ended up with a private student that I did Zoom sessions with and and um she was like 12 and I yeah. know nothing about 12 years old. So, you know, I worked with 13 to 18 year olds mostly, you know, yeah. when I was teaching. It's like, what do I know about a 12 year old? And so every, every time we had a session, I'd be going through all of that. But by the same token, she was so eager to learn. Right. That that's what carried me. And I felt like I've just got to keep bringing stuff. And yeah, there was a question, will this work? And I kept saying to myself, you're old enough now to realize if it doesn't work, you're going to see something that will guide you to something that might work. Right. So, yeah, I don't, you know, even to this moment, I could tell you, you know, when I hear, when I hear even someone say something as, as wonderful as Ben and Matt have said over the years, it's like, yeah, I don't know if I know that guy, but I'm, I'm grateful that you think he exists. Yeah. I'm really happy <laughs> yeah. about that, but I don't know. I'm, I, you know, I, there were, there were those times and I'm like, what am I doing? And in fact, there was one show we did. I'll never forget this. And you've probably had this experience. We were getting ready to do a show and a, and a kid who was going to be on the, on the uh, tech staff um, came into my office and he was so excited he was so excited. He was beside himself with excitement. I can't wait till we get started. This is going to be so great. He went on and on and on. And I went home and I said to my wife, I don't think I can do this. There's, there's, these kids have so much, yeah. this kid had so much invested in it. I'm like, I'm not that good. You know, <laughs> I, I can't live up to that, to that kind of enthusiasm, you know, but as you know, when you have to go in the next day, you better find something. Yeah. Even if you don't think you're any good, you better find something to bring to the table because it's on you, brother. You know? Yeah, yeah. You kind of almost have to cut the reins and just let them let them go. And if they fall flat on their face, they'll get back up, dust off, and figure out what they did to 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 get to where they got. But absolutely, yeah, I, I get it. I don't know if I have overly um, excited technicians. <laughs> I, de- I definitely have it in the acting world, but, uh, my technicians are usually off in the corner, you know, trying to hide and stay away as much as possible. <laughs> did, so how did you figure out the tech side of things? Cause that's a whole, that, you know, I I'm transitioning to, uh, outside of the classroom. I'm not leaving education, but I'm leaving the classroom to become more of a technical theater consultant. And I'll, oh, wow. I'll you know, I'll, travel around and I, you know, I'm working under the umbrella of a company and I, I'm very excited about it, but, um, 
I know my monotone voice would not tell you that I'm excited about it, but I am. I truly am. But, uh, no, you're not monotonic. You have a nice measured quality. I, you're not, thank you. You're not, you're not exploding into the microphone, which is kind of good. Yeah, I'll <laughs> Venmo you 20 bucks for saying that. But anyway. No, thank uh, you. I'll take, I'll take the 20. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the the down here, it's the tech theater educators are leaving. They're all... You know they're they're going off to the real world now, especially now that uh, COVID is less than. I'm not going to say it's eradicated because it's not, but uh, uh, we the tech educators are going back to the real world. You know, uh, becoming lighting and and sound technicians. But <clears throat> so it's it's a problem that there aren't enough. The reason I bring all that up isn't to to <clears throat> necessarily talk about Texas, but talk about you and. It's not an easy task to learn uh, how to be a technician, a designer. Um, and you mentioned the imposter syndrome element. My professor in college uh, at University of Houston, a guy named Kevin Rigdon, who's a Tony-nominated you know, designer, <clears throat> very reputable, would always say, uh, I'm always worried that when I walk into a space, somebody's going to figure me out to be a fraud. Right. Uh, and, uh, so it's a similar mindset, right? Um, so, you know, that's a long, long way of asking, how did you kind of get your grasp on the tech design side of being a theater educator? Well, I think I was lucky. Yeah. Um, Because at some point in my theater education history in, in the city of Cambridge, um, we, we would hire designers, my boss, who, okay. the, you know, we would hire designers, hire people to come in and then, you know, we kind of execute. You can imagine initially the, the designs, first of all, financially, because when I first went to the department, there were limit there, we had limited funding. So, right. you know, so I worked with the idea. So the first thing was I worked with the idea that tech had to be really simple. You know, it had to be really simple, you know, yeah, if we're going to hang lights, I might be four. And, and we're going to have we're going to have two areas on stage. And, you know, the whole idea was if you give me a board, you give me a couple blocks and two actors, I'll make you a play that you can watch and enjoy. <clears throat> and so for me, I'm, I'm not a technical person right. at all. So at some point, I was really fortunate in that we then had the, the funding to hire a technical director. And, and this guy, Steve Hall, was a giant. And he was a giant, first of all, because he was a skilled designer and a skilled technician. He could do it all himself, but he loved imparting that to the kids. Right. And I would say my role is that in that, and well, initially I was doing some of that. We'd get a designer and then I'd say, okay, blah, 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 and what little knowledge I had. And I had some, I learned it on the fly and I learned it from being in plays. It's you know, no training that way, training in terms of experience. So right. I had some, and I, but you know, the, the stuff that we ended up doing on a technical level was way beyond my ken. So I lucked out that way. But the thing that I think, worked for me and we talked about this young man who came in he was all excited was i made it yeah. a philosophy that everybody does the actors did tech you will come in and paint the stage right. you will have a job that you will execute now i understand when when showtime comes you have another responsibility but there's all kinds of grunt work that has to happen before we even get close to showtime and you're going to participate and right. we're going to invite technicians so in our in our festival um, uh, competition, they had a five-minute setup rule. You had five minutes 
to set the stage. So you're, the idea was you couldn't have a complicated setting. Well, this guy, Steve Hall, created the most complicated sets that you could imagine for a traveling show. And what we did was we turned the set up into a show. So the technicians became actors. So in their five minutes, they each had, you know, so that the audience could watch this thing come together as a, so I'm, I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm right. not saying it was brilliant, but the net effect was to say, this is just as important. So for those of you <clears throat> who don't have the interest or the skill, how from your perspective to want to be on, on, you know, walking the floorboards, you, there's all kinds of cool stuff and all kinds of ways for you to contribute significantly to something that, you know, um, it will, we hope, uh, entice and, 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 uh, and please audiences. Right. So I, I, again, I don't know if I've, you know, for me, <clears throat> they always went hand in hand. And so that was my philosophy, but I certainly didn't have, I couldn't do what you're doing. <laughs> I couldn't do it then and I can't do it now, you know, but I'll give myself credit for being able to recognize right. when you find somebody who can do it to nurture that and give them whatever support they need. So by the end of our, our, my time um, in that, in that, in that, in that venue, in that working situation, you know, kids were designing the shows, right? They were designing the lighting, they were designing the sets and Steve was just supervising. Here's what you need to know. So it, it, the thing grew into something so organically beautiful, I think. So that's part of it as well. When you, right. when you hear some of those students speak glowingly, they were really involved in something that was in, they weren't just, okay, move that chair over there and, and you're done. Yep. It was like, well, figure out where the chair should go, you know, and help us to think that out. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, it's the, it's the kids that have been given ownership that yes. typically leave a program a little more energetic and, and grateful than maybe somebody that just never kind of took those uh, again. I said reins already, but took those reins. Um, yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? What's a, what, this is kind of a fun question and maybe you don't have an answer to it. You may have a couple of answers, but what's a play, uh, uh, that you produced or directed, uh, that made you most proud and why? Oh, wow. There were quite a few. Yeah, I'm sure. There were quite a few. Um, in the competition, we had a, uh, I, I, I'm assuming at your school, you have a huge interest as well. We had a huge interest. So when we go to competitions, you'd see shows with three actors, you know, three character plays, right. which were what the school systems could either afford or the interest level. But I had, you know, I'd, I'd have the, the festival show. I'd have 90 kids show up for audition. <laughs> <clears throat> and, you know, if you have 90 kids showing up for an audition, it's like, Oh, we're going to pick three of you. That, uh, yeah. First of all, it, did, it didn't even make it didn't make you know it didn't make logistical sense in one way, but it, it didn't make education sense. Right. You know. So we started writing our own scripts. Okay. And so there were a couple of those. There were several of those. Um, and what I tried to do was the maybe the first one I I did most of the writing, but what I tried to do once the kids got hooked into this idea that with our competitions we could we could do this. Um, we could do this uh, collaboratively uh, or thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you yeah, for the word. We could yeah. do this collaboratively. Um, so we did a lot of collaborative playwriting. So right. I come in with a basic idea and then sometimes we would, the idea would be a storyline. Sometimes it would be, okay, we want to throw the, here's what we're trying to do. Here's the theme. What, what, what can we do? We did, uh, we did a thing based on the Commedia dell'arte. We called it Commedia Mania <laughs> and it was a riot. And, and the kids basically we said, well, here's what Commedia is. 
And here's what would happen. Yes, there's a little bit of a storyline, but basically there were what, maybe 200 plots, if that. There were X number of plots, and basically it was like, okay, we're doing this plot today. Go out there and do something, and we got the mask. So they just came up, they just invented these riotous, I mean, hilarious um, skits that then we linked together into the, into a story about this traveling Italian road show, you know, whatever. So, um, so there were, I, you know, I can't pick, there was one that I based on my, on, on Pittsburgh. It was called Homestead. It was about coming home. It was about that area, you know, the Vietnam era and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And the, and the kids worked really hard on that and that won awards. And I, I, I'm proud of that, but I'm proud of all of them. And then we did a, a major production as well as the competition, you know, um, every year. Did a musical in the summer, which wow. I did not do. That was my time off, kind of, yeah. not really. But we did a fall program and then we did the competition program. But in the fall, we would do a major main stage play. And um, and I I loved all of those. We did like the Caucasian Chalk Circle, uh, you know, um, Tushingura, you know, because I was always looking for big casts. Uh, the one I really like, we did Macbeth. We did the, we did the, we did the, uh, what do they call it? The S- Macbeth, the, 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 the what play? The, the Scottish play or, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, that's yeah. it. We did yeah. the Scottish play. Yeah. And I did it with a mostly female cast. See, I was cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm claiming to be cutting edge, except that it was because there were almost no boys who yeah. tried out that year. And I had all these talented women. I'm like, what am I going to do? And there's always this fluff. And I thought, no, we'll do Macbeth. Yeah. We'll do Macbeth, and we flip. We still, well, I certainly didn't invent the idea. Thank yeah. you very much. But we flipped the concept. So on Shakespeare's time, men played all the parts. Okay, we got a couple of men. We'll put them in the right place. But the women are going to play all the parts. Right. We're going to stamp it on its head. So I'm kind of proud of that because they did a fabulous job. It was really very cool um, what they did. What the what the what the women folk, you know, the young <laughs> the young women did. You know, it was really pretty damn exciting. Yeah. So you know, I think I love them all. Yeah. So I didn't answer your question. No, that you did. I mean, it's not an easy, it's like asking, or it's like me asking you probably, uh, uh, who's the greatest stealer of all time. You, you, you would have an argument for quite a few. So, um, which I, I'm not going to ask you that, but I'm a big sports fan. So, but you know, we'll keep that aside. It's not what this podcast is about. Uh, so what is keeping you busy now? What is, what is something that's kind of getting, uh, uh, the literature, the theatrical, what is what is something that's kind of feeding those those urges right now in retirement? Well, I you know, I read a lot. Um, I, I think I mentioned early on that I, I love music. And yeah. for a long time, my second life was I, I worked as a musician. <clears throat> Not I didn't make a lot of money, but I had a writing partner and we were writing songs. And for a while, we had a band that played these songs. And for about 10 years, we, we kind of pursued that until we got, you know, until life really took over. So <clears throat> one of the things I've done, which gets me back in touch in some small way. Yes, I've, I've gone back to kind of writing tunes, writing okay. songs, and I have a small, small uh, project studio in my basement. It's really a mess. I call it a studio. It's a joke, but there's a lot of equipment down there, half of which works. Um, so, um, you know, I had over the years, I've always stockpiled these ideas. And mind you, we're not talking about anything that's going to rattle anybody's cage and make them excited that I'm doing it, but they excite me. Right. So I've, I've now been finishing those, which, which for me, as I, as I write, it's part of the writing. It's part of the, it's back to poetry in a way. And then as I try to perform them, it's performance, you know, it's acting, you know, you know because I, you know, most of it is not directly autobiographical what right. I'm writing about. I'm thinking about characters who maybe whatever. So I, I, I get to do that. And then I get to, you know, it's, it's, it's my, I'm not working with other people. It's my own production. 
Right. Uh, so, but it, it's how I feed that creative urge because, frankly, at this point in my life, I'm I'm perfectly content to to mow the lawn and put my feet up and you know have a have an adult beverage and just <laughs> just be happy I'm alive and, and and the weather's beautiful or whatever the case may be. Right. I had up until about a year ago. I, I mentioned I had this student. Yeah. And she was and is. Uh, I, I've lost contact with her for a number of reasons. There were some family issues that kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, she was being homeschooled. Yada, you know, we don't right, need right. to know the story. But she was really um, the real connection, right? Because I, I took it almost under duress, and they showed they actually really quickly they showed up on my back porch. Okay, I live on Cape Cod, right? Yeah, they came from Maine. Wow, they came from Maine. Now they had gone to Cambridge, which is still an hour and a half from where I live. And they showed up on my back porch because they had read some article that see that damn Matt and Ben and Casey, they got to stop. You know, <laughs> they showed up on my back porch and, and somehow they had read some article and the, the, the young, the, the girl was, she wanted to be an actor. That is, that's what she wanted to do since she was three. And her older sister was, was becoming a, a, a an admired physicist. Right. And, and, and this, and this, this, this child was like, okay, when am I getting mine? So they decided I was the guy. Yeah. And they show up and I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, what am I going to do here? But it was so, it was so powerful. It was such poignant. My, my wife has given me the look. Don't you be mean. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't you say something rude to these people. So I decided, okay, we're going to do this for two sessions. Okay. I'm not even going to charge you. Yeah. We're going to do this for two sessions. And I know you'll recognize this. So she's a bundle of energy. Anything I asked her to do, she did. And so finally, I guess it was the third session. I decided, okay, this is worth investing. So the third session, I decided we're doing Zoom, which for me was like, I didn't even know what, I mean, I've, God bless you. You probably know how to handle this. I didn't, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even know what I'm seeing here. I'm looking at this picture. Is it, is it real time or, or is there stuttering going on? Oh my God. You know, but I gave her, I gave her some direction. I just don't ask me why the devil, you know, you know, because she wasn't seasoned yet. Right. I just said, well, you know, it seems to me the characters don't blah, blah, blah. What if she were thinking this way? What, 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 what do you think that would look like? Well, she nailed it. She right. came up with something that was so stunning. I said, oh, and, and as I've said before and alluded to before, that, that was like mainlining heroin. Once that <laughs> happened, it was like, oh, the high came on, the rush came on. I was like, oh, I'll be doing this. So for a while, that was how I really scratched the itch. And I, went, and I had the woodshed because I've right. been away from working in the theater for about 10 years. So I had the woodshed. I had to go back and remember, especially with kids. You know, I'd been working in theater off and on, but working with kids had been a while. So I had the woodshed a little bit, go back like, okay, how, how am I supposed to think about this? Like, you know, and, and we're not in a classroom. And, and I will say, and this is, the, this is an old man speaking, so I'm, I'm going to preface <laughs> it with that. I will say she came for one in-person session. It turned out that it happened. The family was ended up being about 20 minutes away from my house for a weekend. And they asked, you know, could we come and see you in person again? And so, of course, and I did a live two-hour session with her. And right. I learned more and saw more with her in the room with me right. than I ever did in 25 lessons on screen. So for me, it was like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I don't even know if I'm doing this kid justice. Right. I don't even know if I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what I can do, but something more needs to happen because I'm seeing so many other things that I couldn't see on screen. Right. And then, as I say, circumstances kind of led up to our, our not being able to work together. 
But that was for as I say, up until about a year ago, that was how I scratched my theater right. itch. And I and I have to say I really loved it, even though I had misgivings. Every my, my wife would tell you that the night before, well, the week before, I'm gathering material, but the night before, I'm like tearing my hair out. Why did I agree to do this? I gotta have a nine o'clock class tomorrow with this kid, and I don't even have it. But it was very it just it rewarded me in ways that you know right. I'm grateful for. Yeah, uh, I do have to say, you said Cape Cod like you're from Massachusetts earlier, but you know, that's, uh, <laughs> I'll bring that back. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, but, but but I didn't say Cape Cod. Yeah, well, yeah, it wasn't too hard. It wasn't too hard. Uh, so you've been very gracious with your time. I want to get you out of here on kind of an interesting question that I I really haven't been able to ask anybody in almost 200 of these uh, because of your English literature. Uh, you know, dramatic literature background, you probably went about teaching uh, a little different than probably somebody that was raised on stage. Um, and so my question is kind of what what is it that you think you uniquely brought to a theatrical classroom or a direct, uh, a, a, a directing a show that was uniquely from your dramatic literature reading background pretty much well that's you know i'll tell you blake that's a tough question i don't i don't but for two reasons for me i i don't know what other people do yeah okay i see i've seen other people's work i've heard other people come and talk to me about say choices i've made in the past um why did you do so it was clear that i had done something that was unconventional right but i, I don't know that i could codify that i mean I came to it, as I said, you know, as, as I, I came to it with huge respect for the text, for yeah. writers, you know, a huge respect for that. Um, I would say probably more for me that what I believe I brought, and I don't know this to be true. So I don't mean to offend any of your listeners who are also theater educators and are like, what's this guy talking? But I, I, you know, I go back to my to my main man, Jeff Fox, who talked about, you know, creating a group. I think that's what I brought. You know, when I when I I remember speaking to directors who would say, well, I never made that choice. I don't believe that. And I'm like, well, why don't you believe it? You know, what's your problem? Well, you yeah. know, who, who's who's got the difficult? I think that's where the literary or, or, or certainly the influence of my mentor, but certainly where that whole notion of approaching literature with an open with an open mind as to well, some people don't approach a literature that way either. So there you go. Right. You know, I don't. I, I don't know how I, I know I'm, I'm kind of ending on a really kind of weak note here, but I don't. Um, well, I, I'll tell you what I brought. I wasn't trained in right. a theatrical program. I didn't buy into any of the politics. I didn't know them. Not that I didn't buy into them. That's incorrect. Yeah. I didn't know them. Yeah. I didn't know what the hierarchical structure was. It's like, yo, you're in a play. Here's what you're going to do. Yeah. Like, oh, no, we don't do that. I mean, that, no. The lead actor doesn't paint sets. Are you kidding me? We're right. talking about a 16-year-old. She damn well going to be painting sets. I'm yeah. sorry. Right? So there was that that sense that I don't it's not like I didn't respect. Well, no, I'll take that back. I didn't respect some of those kinds of judgments. When right. I listen to theater people when I'm younger now, and I don't know what it's like now, but I listen to them talk about other theater people, kids who wanted to be actors. I want to go on stage and say, you know, it's a hell of a business. It's mean. Yeah. And I don't want you to be that person. 
man, I know you think you're going to be taken advantage of, but I want you to go out. I want you to create communities that really care about the work they're doing. So I don't know. Was that different? I don't know. But I do know that I did not participate in any of that. And right. I know that there were times when I felt deficient right. because I'd be in a room with all these folks who had their MFAs and their who's hoozy hoozies. And I'm like, ooh. These people know stuff that, oh, I got, ah, I don't know if I can handle that. And then I figured out, well, you know, I, I could pull out my English major crap, too, if I wanted to. And I could stun them a little bit. I'm not doing it. You know, I, I don't have a desire to participate. Right. So maybe that was it. Minor Wisdom.